Carl the Cobra Frutch, and you're watching Lights Out. Riyadh season in Saudi Arabia just got bigger and better following the huge announcements made last week. For the first time since 1999, the heavyweight division finally seems set to crown a new undisputed heavyweight champion. If you think that was big, boxing fans are absolutely hyped as Riyadh season part two announces a blockbuster event featuring some of the biggest and best names in boxing. We will be asking the boxing fans the question, is this the greatest card of all time? Also, Britain has two new European champions and a fan favourite from Stoke continues to write his underdog story. This is Lights Out, I am Fessel Khan and this is Podcast 66 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. It has been five months since we, since we did a podcast and as always, I'm delighted to be joined by the face of Team Lights Out, Mr. Mohsen Gulshir, a.k.a. Ron, Ron. Um, long time, well, actually, we say long time no speak. I was with you on Friday night for all the right reasons, yeah. of course. Uh, but it's been a very long time since we did this. And mass- you know what, Ron? I've got to say, fair play to you because we've had a few issues with, with finding a new venue to film our podcast. But you said, listen, Zoom is always going to be Zoom. It may not be the greatest of quality, but it's still an option. And we've chosen to go with the Zoom option because simply because there's just too much stuff going on in boxing that we couldn't miss out and we've got to give our input on. So, Ron, firstly, welcome back to the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. How are you doing, mate? Very well. I uh, just want to say massive, uh, brilliant to be back uh, making pods again, talking about the sport that we absolutely love. Uh, it's been long overdue, um, but, you know, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. But let's just, we can both agree, and a lot of boxing fans can agree, what a year it is. 2023 has been for boxing. We've had the biggest and best fights, um, and the year and the, and the year's not done yet. I agree. Uh, you know, for me as a boxing fan, I've got to say this has probably been the best year uh, throughout my entire life. We've had, you know, we had Spence versus Crawford. You know, we've had Tank versus Ryan Garcia. You know, yeah. um, and we've got a blockbuster card, which I think is going down as probably the greatest card of all time. I might get a bit of stick. Card we never expected. You know, so quick. It just came out of nowhere. Exactly. Um, before, obviously, we, we begin with the podcast, I uh, just want to remind the viewers that if they haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, turn on the bell for future Lights Out notifications. If you want to know more about Team Lights Out, check us out on all the social media platforms. Uh, links are below are in the description. And for the best representation in court, or if you need representing in court, which I hope you don't, uh, please feel free to check out our sponsors, the number one uh, law firm in the business, Spartans Law. Again, links are below in the description. And if you're a fan of your audio podcasts, links are below in the description to listen to this podcast on Spotify or any audio platform that you like listening to. Nothing changes with the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. So we start off with our quick fire question. And Ron, because you won the toss, because you are the number one tosser, I'm going to start off by letting you go first with today's quick fire question. And again, we'd love to get the viewers involved in this. Ron, what is your favourite venue of all time in boxing and why? Uh, growing up, uh, I mean, all the big shows were in America. You know, that's, you know, it, it was, you know, you, you stayed up late for thing. Uh, and for me, and, the, you know, I didn't know much about boxing back then, but there was just that one venue, which is sometimes called the Mecca of Boxing as well. And uh, that's MSG, Madison Square Garden. You've had uh, some, you know, the who's who of boxing fighting there. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to Ali versus Frazier, Jake LaMotte versus Sugar Ray Robinson. And to more recently, what we grew up watching was Lennox Lewis versus Evander Holyfield and Bernard Hopkins and Felix Trinidad. So that, for me, when I think of, I remember all the boxers, you know, they, they would kind of talk about kind of seeing their name on billboards outside MSG, kind of fighting at MSG. That That's when they knew they made it. Yeah, I mean, listen, um, obviously, you know, I've been doing this Lights Out thing for since 2018. So I'm lucky to have not, I'm lucky enough to have been around most uh, arenas around the UK. I haven't been um, outside of the UK. So I'm hoping one day MSG, Mandalay Bay, or even now Saudi Arabia is going to be on that list as well. But um, I've gone for a for a UK venue. Now, it was a toss-up between 
York Hall, the iconic York Hall, which is the mecca of British like boxing, country. in my opinion, yeah. and the O2 Arena yeah. in London. I just think with the O2 Arena, some of the fights we've seen there over the few years, the last few years especially, you know, uh, White versus Joshua, the Hay versus Bellew, one and two fight, you know, Chisora versus White. We've had some great nights at the O2. There's just something about the O2, like, you know, it's, it's an electrifying atmosphere. And it, 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 I, I always believe that the O2 brings out the best in boxing fans. You know, it was a tough choice to make that because I was fortunate enough to have been at the Amir Khan fight when he fought Kelly Brook at the AO Arena. And I was there when Savannah Marshall became the undisputed uh, middleweight champion, super middleweight champion of the world. So, you know, these arenas in the UK, you know, it's even even the the US fans say that the boxing scene over here in the UK is just you know a different atmosphere, it's a different kind of buzz. But I think with uh, my most favorite venue of all time in boxing and why I'd have to go for the O2. But like I said, fingers crossed, one day we do get to go outside Mandalay Bay. I've been outside Madison Square Garden on my uh, yeah. trip to America, um, but I didn't go yeah. inside. But one day, Ron, one day, Ron, we're going to be at these arenas and. Um, Hopefully we'll be holding our cameras and we'll do we'll be doing what we love best. But let's move on because, as you said, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, and one of the, the the first points of today's podcast has to be is the announcement. I mean, there were so many announcements last week. I don't know which one you could put from top to bottom, but I think the main one has to be the announcement that on February the seventeenth, Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk, Riyadh season in Saudi Arabia. For the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, we're going to crown an undisputed heavyweight champion for the first time since 1999. And Ron, who was the last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world? Lennox Lewis. Exactly. Ron, I'm going to ask you, right? I mean, we're going to talk about the fight itself. I am not 100% confident the fight's going to happen. I just get a feeling there might be an injury or something stupid is going to happen to stop the fight from actually happening. How, but how confident are you the fight does happen on February 17th? I mean, look, the fight was supposed to happen, what was it, 23rd of December? Was that the original date? Yeah. Uh, and Fury had released a lot of sound bites and Twitter tweets saying that he, he has to fight me. If he doesn't, then there's going to be problems for him. Um, sorry, I'm going to kind of go back to the prequel of, you know, kind of listen. We've kind of, we haven't even mentioned about Fury and Ngannou fight. Uh, on the back of that... The body language of Fury after that Ngannou fight, the controversial, did he win? You know, we won't, you know, if you want to go there, we can talk about it. You know, that, I mean, that was automatically dismissed, you know, when he said in his post-fight interview, he said, look, have a good year, have a good Christmas. You know, kind of, that kind of dismissed that it's going to happen in December. Now, we talk about February. I mean, I'm not holding my breath, but... You know, these boys, you know, that uh, this undercard that we're going to talk about in the 23rd of December, they set the bar really high and Fury needs to be involved. He needs to be active to be kind of considered. Um, I just really hope as a boxing fan, it does take place. You know, we need that undisputed winner, you know, of, you know, all the belts. We need to see the best versus the best. There's no excuses. You know, Wilder, who's been out of the ring for however, however long he's fighting, Joshua's fighting after so after his last fight. I just hope these two can get it on as well. Well, we, we will touch on the Francis and Garnu fight with Tyson Fury. Yeah. Um, obviously, you uh, you quoted Tyson Fury saying he has to fight me on December the 23rd. Yeah. You know, there's no ifs, no buts. It is going to happen. But I think it's the manner of the performance from Tyson Fury which has pushed the fight forward to February. Um I honestly and injuries, never... yeah, and he the fight wasn't as what he expected it to be. He expected it to be finished a lot quicker. The knockdown, few bruises, so and the body language wasn't right after the fight. What did you make of that? Well, I kind of knew the fight wasn't happening December twenty third when he faced off with Usyk anyway, after the okay. Ngannou fight because when Tyson Fury faces off with an opponent, we've seen him do it with Deontay Wilder. Yeah after he beat uh, Pianetta in Belfast. I'm going to knock you the F out in uh, in America. You know, we've seen him do it with Usyk last year after his win against Chisora. But this face-off after the Ngannou fight, it was a Tyson wasn't Fury. Same. wasn't the same. He wasn't animatic. 
You know, he wasn't, you know, going crazy. He wasn't hyped up as he used to be. I think the Tyson Fury that night just couldn't wait to get out of Saudi Arabia because of how bad the Francis Ngannou performance was. But having said that, listen, you can we can argue with what happened against Francis Ngannou all day long. The bottom line is he did win the fight. It goes on his record as a win. And we're getting an undisputed fight. I want to touch on something Johnny Nelson said about the fight. Uh, he, he done an interview. I can't remember which platform it was with. And he turned around and he said that that Tyson Fury performance against Francis Ngannou could be the worst thing ever to happen to Alexander Usyk. Because, one, I don't believe Tyson Fury trained trained as he should have leading up yep. to the Francis Ngannou fight. And two, let's remember one thing. Francis Ngannou, Alexander Usyk, they're two different fighters. Alexander Usyk won't give Tyson Fury a second to breathe if Fury comes in and puts on the same performance as he did against Ngannou. So I honestly think in hindsight, and I agree with what Johnny Nelson said, that could be the worst thing possible for Alexander Usyk. But I'm kind of glad it's happened. Because now we've seen Tyson Fury is not untouchable. We've seen he is capable of being hurt. There's a lot of questions questions about has his punch resistance gone? You know, are the legs getting older? Is he slowing down? Is he the same fighter? I think, right, and I honestly believe this, especially after what happened with the Francis and Garner fight, I think February the 17th, when he fights Usyk, you're going to see the best version of Tyson Fury. I believe they're going to up the, up the training uh, during camp. Um, there's talks of Jay Opataya, the uh, number one cruiserweight, coming into camp. There's talks of Lawrence Cody coming into camp. Uh, there's talks of middleweights coming into the camp. And apparently, I've read somewhere along the line that they're leaving for Saudi Arabia in January. So they're taking this camp very serious and they need to be. However, we go back to the question that I asked you. I just, I, I, I see an injury happening in, in the build-up to the fight. I believe the fight will happen next year. I just Something just tells me it's not going to happen on February 17th. I, I just think one of them picks up an injury in the build-up to the fight. I hope not, man. I mean, we've been waiting for this far too long, you know, it's just frustrating the hell out of us. You know, we've we finally got Errol Spence versus Crawford after so many back and forths and it you know finally happened and we were relieved and boxing won. We want the same here. You know, we want the best two heavyweights on this planet to fight, you know, to fight off with each other, to know who is the number one. Um, and I agree, you know, that you're right that, you know, there will be a, the better Tyson Fury on that night. He wasn't right. He didn't look good in shape. Probably underestimated Ngannou. Under, uh, we all underestimated Ngannou, for, let's be honest. You know, we did, we had no idea he had some sort of boxing sense. You know, we know that MMA fighters, they just don't, you know, transfer into boxing really well. But Ngannou did himself proud and... You know, and uh, and he's setting up himself up for another future fight against Chisora, I'm hearing, or some other top 10 heavyweight. Well, he's in the top 10 heavy uh, rankings, isn't he, now, Ngannou? Yeah. So, yes, I, I think what you said, that they're going to take it a lot more seriously. I hope they do, because, you know, Usyk, we know he's no joke. He came through a bit of a battle himself versus uh, Daniel Dubois. Uh, controversial, you know, kind of win, you know. I don't know what you made of that, if it was a low blow or not. So it sets it up really well. Let's just hope it doesn't get delayed any longer than it needs to. I mean, in February, we were two months delayed than we, we would have got it in, originally in December the 23rd. It is what it is. But the boxing scene doesn't stop. You know, the, we've got fights happening. You know, we've got other things that we can put our attention to or look forward to. Like the you know the undercard that you mentioned on the twenty third of December. I mean, look, as you said, you know the, the fight has been pushed to a to a later date, but the fight is announced. You know the date has been agreed. There's been a press conference. We need to talk about the press conference. Uh, Tyson Fury, um, <laughs> yeah, Carl wasn't happy with um, his performance during the press conference, but you know Tyson Fury has done a lot more worse during press conferences, coming in as the Batman in the Klitschko press conference and. Yeah. the table over in his first fight with Derek Chisora. I just think that was just what you get with Tyson Fury at press conferences. He's loud, he's erratic, he's effing and blinding. And Let me know, ask you a question. Go on. Does it work with someone like Usyk? He just doesn't seem to bite. He, maybe it's a language barrier. He's just seen, doesn't seem disturbed by any of it or thrown back. He's just like, keep on talking, keep on talking. Well, no. of course, it's the language barrier because it doesn't understand hardly any of the things that Fury. What's in his favour then? <laughs> but 
so I don't get why Carl Foch is saying it's embarrassing. I mean, Tyson Fury's been, you know, all right, okay. I kind of didn't like the, you know, him saying to Alex Krusek and Usyk's other manager, uh, I can't remember his name, saying that you're going to carry my bags after this fight. I did think that was a bit disrespectful to say because, you know, when you look at Usyk's team, they seem generally really nice people and they seem like easy people to work with. But this yeah. is Tyson Fury, you know, he's, he's, he's an entertainer, you know, he's, he's a showstopper, you know, he is the, you know, he's the number one man in boxing right now when it comes to entertaining at press conferences. You know what, he does win the, you know, the, the, the psychological games that he plays with his opponents, but do you think that this is a, maybe might not work in his favour in this one because Usyk seems to be, doesn't really bothered by what, you know, the outlandish comments that uh, Fury made? What do you make of that? I mean, this is a different dynamic set he's dealing with here. Well, I mean, we say that Usyk's a different kettle of fish. I mean, if you go back to Usyk's last fight against Daniel Dubois, he's rapping during the weigh-in. You know, he's spitting bars and in Ukrainian. <laughs> so Usyk's a bit yeah. of a character himself. Um, obviously, they're both set about their ways. I just think, look, you know, I understand that a lot of the pundits are angry with Tyson Fury fighting Francis Ngannou. But we look back at the event, it was a, it was a phenomenal event. And you, you have to say, that event has led to what we're in store for over the next eight weeks. And we're going to talk about the December 23rd card in a bit, because I know you're... Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, but we keep on making references to that constantly, yeah. That opened the door to these events that we're getting over the next eight weeks. So for for, for people to turn around and say it's embarrassing what he's doing, he's he's supposed to be an ambassador of mental health, yet he's effing... Look, Tyson Fury is an entertainer. He's not going to change for nobody, especially Carl Froch, who I know has had a bit to say about Tyson Fury over the last few months, but I'm hoping we're getting the fight on February 17th. I'm hoping I'm wrong. But until they're both in the ring, about to touch gloves, and before you hear that first bell, that's when I'm going to believe it truly happens. Anything can happen from now to February 17th. I hope we don't get an injury. At the same time, I hope we get the fight. Um, like I said, first time since 1999, we're getting an undisputed heavyweight champion. This has been going on for way too long, we uh, at least we'll get to we'll get to crown the king of the heavyweight division, and I honestly believe it's Tyson Fury. I think Tyson Fury. We're going to see the best Tyson Fury, and do you know what? After this fight with Usyk, win, lose, or draw, I hope he sails off into the sunset. Because you yes, don't want him to be fighting no, the winner no, no, of no. There's no no no. He's no. gonna have that AJ fight, no, man. I'm no, sorry, no. but that, that's Ron, a... Ron. Shall I just tell you one thing, right? I get that the performance against Francis Ngannou was a bad one, and I get he's been at he was at the ring for a very very long time, and he did a yep. few things which never sat right with the British public. But I still feel as if this man's never been given the credit that he deserves, and I hope he becomes the undisputed champion on February the seventeenth, and then he can sail off into the sunset and say. Undefeat, undefeated, undisputed, two-time heavyweight champion of the world. And I will say it on my social media, the greatest heavyweight of all time if he wins this fight on February 17th. We've got to move on, Ron, because this is what you've been itching to talk about. It's what we spoke a lot about on Friday. The Day of Reckoning on December the 23rd. It's an absolute bonanza of a card. I'm labelling this as the greatest card of all time in my lifetime. Let's just go through the card, okay? Anthony Joshua versus Otto Wallin. Deontay Wilder versus Joseph Parker. Daniel Dubois versus Jarrell Miller. Dimitri Bivol versus Lyndon Arthur. Philippe Hergovic versus Mark Damori. Jay Opatia versus Ellis Zorro. Mahmoudov versus Ajit Kabayel. And Frank Sanchez versus Junior Farr. Ron, the three fights that we expect to be the top three fights of the bill, none of them are even world champions. Jay Opatia, who is the killer of the cruiserweight division, and Dimitri Bivol, who's the man who beat the man in Canelo Alvarez and is probably the pound-for-pound king, king of the ring right now, might have to settle for the fact that they're not even going to be main eventing this card. That is how brilliant this card is. Ron, yeah. Eddie Hearn said this card took 10 days to make. Massive shout-out to Turkey Alal Sheikh. I'm hoping that's how you pronounce his name. This guy, in my opinion, Ron, the best thing to happen to boxing in a very long time. Look, he's got Frank Warren and Eddie Earn in the same room. I mean, that's <laughs> that's uh, something to be you know, amazed about, you know. So this guy is making magic happen, um, and he's got people from other um, 
organizations, you know, like Matchroom, Queensbury, and wow, I, I am ex I'm excited about that. It was good to see that he, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn in the same room, in the same presser. Uh, you know, you've probably been thinking that they're the same person because you never see them together. So that, that for me, is great. And it's breaking down barriers. We're going to get these uh, amazing fights that we're desperately seeking as boxing fans. You know, this is where they've lost out against UFC because the best are fighting the best. Um, my question to you is, what's the main event? <laughs> what is it? What is the... What the uh the main event what would you have what's the i just think you've got to go with the guy that's got the bigger following out of the 16 Who? fighters on the card that has to be anthony joshua um you but know, you can make an argument for diento wilder as well well you know anthony joshua two two-time heavyweight champion of the world olympic gold wow. medalist this is no disrespect to any of the other fighters who um considered the poster boy of british boxing for a very long time you know, I just think that Joshua versus Wallin will be the main event, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wilder versus Park is the main event. You know, Dubois versus Min, I said it to you on Friday night, sells out the yeah. O2 in my, re in my opinion. It's a f I just can't believe that this card is happening. And as I said, one of the biggest points of this card is Dimitri Bivol and Jay Opatio, right, would easily, for me, right now in the top 10 pound for pound list, aren't even going to be main eventing. This is how action-packed and stacked this card is and uh, and i said about turkey al, al Sheikh. i honestly think he's the best thing to happen to boxing in a very long time because now you're getting promoters crossing over to each other and working together eddie Hearn said in a press conference which i watched the other day he goes uh frank ron said the key word in all of this coming together was collaboration and i'm so glad that these promoters are finally working together and i'm glad that you know we're, we're not we're not pinpointing things on them saying well you're the reason certain fights haven't happened you know mm -hmm. these promoters have shown that if, if 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 it makes money it makes sense and as i said you've got at least six of these fights that could easily main event this card and it is a phenomenal card and i'm labeling it as the greatest card of all time that i've seen in my lifetime i'm pretty sure people might have different opinions but i just don't think you're going to get a better card than this um We'll talk about which, what I think will be the main event is Anthony Joshua versus Otto yeah, Wallin. Fight. There's a few interesting points about this fight. Um, in Point number one is that Tyson Fury's former trainer, Ben Davison, goes into Anthony Joshua's corner, so he's going to be training him for this fight. I think what I'm, what I'm hearing is, is that um, at some point Joshua will go back to Derek James. But I think Joshua gains a bit of an advantage because if you look back at Tyson Fury's fight with Otto Wallin, the trainer for that fight for Tyson Fury was Ben Davison. And that was yeah. a fight Tyson Fury struggled in. You know, he he, he was he, he had a massive cut, I believe it was above yeah. the left eye. He struggled in that fight. And it was that fight that where Tyson Fury said, you know, enough's enough. And he made the move over to Sugar Hill Stewart. Um, another few more interesting points, you know, Otto Wallin seen a complete different side to him in this press conference saying that AJ's peaked and it looked as if he he wound up Anthony yeah. Joshua and you know one thing that I also didn't really like from Anthony Joshua was refusing to answer Dev Sani's questions you know yeah we finally, need that. <laughs> yeah we finally got you know these um you know these stables working together um you know everyone's you know sort of finally bashed their heads together and Anthony Joshua's refused to ask Dev Sani's uh, questions and I just thought it was a bit unprofessional I thought it was really unprofessional but look, we're not going to complain too much about that. Give me your thoughts on the Joshua versus Wallin fight. He's fighting a southpaw. He needs to win yeah. this fight if he wants to fight Deontay Wilder and carry on his path to becoming a three-time heavyweight champion. Uh, I mean, Dimitri Salita, I mean, his uh, promoter has been chasing after that fight. Every, after every AJ fight, he's been on the phone to Eddie Hearn saying, Look, let's make that fight. He believes in his fighter. Um, Wallin, only the one defeat on his record um so he's he's no mug so you know he gave tyson fury a scare where that fight could have been stopped you know because that cut was that bad so i think tyson was very lucky to get away with the win there i mean he deserved it but it could have, it may be in a different judges different referee we might have been waved off but can't take nothing away from wallin you know he gave a good account of himself and he's kind of plugged away he's had his uh fights um and he's, you know, he's got a great opportunity to really announce himself as a 
as a contender. You know, maybe, you know, he said himself, maybe I fight uh, Wilder if when, when I beat Joshua. So, and the, the head-to-head was quite interesting as well, quite intense. And, you, you know, I'd loved it, you know, hearing the comment, you know, what they were saying to each other. And he goes, Joshua said, look, don't shake my hand afterwards, you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I think the styles make fights. This is someone who's six. How, how tall is um, Otto Wallin? Six four, six five. Something like that, yeah. I yeah. Mean, I agree with what you said. You know, Joshua did bite a lot. He bit back at Otto Wallin when he goes off. Oh, Otto but Joshua's Wallen's been like it. that since you know post the second Ufik fight. You know that yeah. we've seen that snarling side of him coming out more and more now in press conferences. You're like, this isn't the AJ of you know, pre-2000 and something, whatever, you know, where he was humble, where he spoke really well, was very, you know, only, only bit when he was, when he was pushed back into a corner. But now, you know, Joshua's for, for, coming forward and saying whatever he wants to say. And I'm not apologetic Joshua about it. Joshua bit back when he said, oh, all these heavyweights are saying that I'm, I, I've peaked, but these heavyweights... i passed my best, peaked. yeah. <laughs> um, I do believe the dangerous Joshua brings out the best Anthony Joshua, I just feel that, you know, if Joshua is to climb the mountain again in this heavyweight division. You made a point. He's obviously, you said he's teamed up with Ben Davidson. What do you think the thinking's there? Why, why is he, what's he hoping to achieve? What's, what's he hoping that Ben Davidson's might give him an edge? You know, is, what, what, do you, what do you think that, what the thinking was there to work with him? I, th- I highly, you know, as you know, I highly rate Ben Davidson as one of the best coaches out there. He's worked with, you know, some of the top fighters at the moment. What, what do you, what, what do you make of it? Well, we've got to remember, from my understanding is, is that he's going to go back to Derek James after this fight. Yeah. So, but, you know, still that, that short stint, what, what's he hoping to I, I, gain? I it, listen, like I said, it makes perfect sense because if anyone knows Otto Wallin, you know, it's, it's mm. Ben Davison. And, you know, I, I remember when Fury fought Otto Wallin and uh, Big John Fury was in the, the punditry team and he said, if after the fight, he said, if it's up to me, I'd get rid of the whole backroom staff right now, you know, because the setup for the fight and the tactics were all wrong. And that was uh, Ben Davison's last fight with Tyson Fury. So, you know, if anyone's learned from tactically setting up against Otto Wallin, it is Ben Davison. Um, you know, they've got what? just six weeks to work together. So what's he going to learn in six weeks? I mean, I don't think he'd learn much. You know, he's a, he's a, Wallin's a, a very tricky southpaw. He's tall. He's just beaten mm. Gassiev. He's only lost yeah. to Fury. If I'm um, Ben Davidson right now, I'd be saying to Joshua, look, do you know what? Forget going to points with this guy because boxing-wise, he might cause you a few issues. I think Ben Davidson needs to set Joshua up to get him to knock out Otto Wallin. But it's it's interesting because our, my understanding is that this is only like a partnership just for this fight. I mean, what's to say that it's not a full-time thing? You know, can you imagine, let's say Fury does fight Joshua at one point and Fury's former trainer's opposite to him standing with Joshua, you know? It, it's, it's, mm. it, it's, it, it is a coming together that I never expected. But yeah, if yeah. it's a one-fight deal, I think Ben Davison is the perfect solution because, like I said, he knows Otto Wallin very well. But it's a banana skin. Any fight Joshua was... loses now is his last fight. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I hope he comes through this because there's some exciting fight. Um, there's the, you know, rumours that if both him and Wilder come through, they, they, fight, they face off with each other. Uh, there's there's some sort of note of that during that press conference, but I think they both realised that they've both got some stern tests ahead of them uh, in both Wallin and uh, Joseph Park, which we're probably going to talk about next anyway. Yeah, we're going to move on and talk about Wilder yeah. versus Deont- Deontay Wilder versus Joseph Parker. A very good fight. Um, it just goes to yeah. show, even after a few defeats, you know, you can still land big fights. And we know Joseph Parker, you know, he lost to Joe Joyce, but he's kind of rebuilt. And he got the knockout win on the Fury and Garner on the card. He beat Jack Massey. You know, two good wins gets you right back into the mix. And I've got to say it's a potential banana skin for uh, um, Deontay Wilder. Because, again, I'm going to go back to, you know, being in camp and former coaches. Joseph Parker's best mate right now is Tyson Fury. They train together. And if anybody knows Deontay Wilder well, it's not only Tyson Fury. It's also Joseph Parker's trainer who's worked with Tyson Fury, former world champion Andy Lee 
And uh, Tyson Fury, they asked him the question, how does Joseph Parker beat Deontay Wilder? And he said, well, as long as you can avoid that right hand for 12 rounds, you're in with a chance. But the beauty about Wilder is he always connects. Can, mm. can Joseph Parker really avoid that right hand for 12 rounds run? I mean, there's a question mark of his punch resistance after that Joy Joyce fight. So obviously, uh, no, <laughs> I think I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, but saying that, Deontay's been out of the ring, um, ring for what over 12 months now, and the last fight—who was it? Was it Dominic Brazil? Who, no, who it was did Robert it? Helenius, Robert Helenius. My, my apologies. Yeah, and how long did that last? One round or, or... 70 seconds, I believe. Yeah. So. There's not really much to go on, you know. How much, how much, how active has he been? You know, we've seen some um, him working with Malik Scott, um, but having a fight—that's something he hasn't had. But Deontay's not known for his boxing skills. He's known for sheer power, you know, kind of finishing people off. So it's. It's going to be about, you know, the, hopefully they've got a really good, I mean, with Andy Lee as a trainer, you know, I'm sure they're going to devise a really good uh, game plan. But you say he's a good mate of Tyson Fury, but he's not Tyson Fury. You know, Tyson Fury's got his own attributes and skills that made him so effective against someone like Deontay Wilder, you know, with his mobility, with his with his size, with his lock, rangy arms. Joseph Parker's, you know, he's got the orthodox style. Um you know, what version are we going to get of Joseph Parker? You know, is it, if he's, his styles make fights, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I personally don't see this one going past three rounds, four rounds. Um, I think Deontay Wilder takes him out. Well, I mean, you know, I've all, I always say about ring inactivity, and I believe, yeah. like, what, 70 seconds within a year of fighting is just not enough. Um, and I'm kind of glad that he has taken this fight with, Joseph Parker, not Anthony Joshua, because I believe it was it would have just been suicidal to jump into Anthony Joshua. I think it builds fight. up the suspense, doesn't it? You know, we 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 like, I mean, gives Riyadh season another you know event to kind of build up to, and hopefully build up when that fight does happen. If if or when that fight happens, they'll have just as a good undercard like I, they've got. I, this I made a point to you the other day, right? Obviously. Yeah. Francis Ngannou undercard was very good. This card is brilliant. We don't know what the undercard for Fury versus Usyk is going to be, right? I said to you, right, if Joshua gets rid of Otto Wallin in one or two rounds, Wilder does the same with Parker. The original plan for Saudi was to have Fury versus Usyk and Joshua versus Wilder on the same night. Oof. If these guys have an early night, get rid of the opponents within one or two rounds, no marks, no injuries, I would, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised Joshua versus Wilder falls on the same night as Fury versus Usyk. Then you can say that's probably the greatest card of all time. I'm just saying in hindsight, but obviously Otto Wallin is planning on being around a lot longer than one or two rounds. Joseph Parker, exactly the same. And they're not turning up to make up the numbers. They're turning up to spoil the party. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I mean, look, this is what the Saudis are doing. They're raising the bar each time you know each each card they're producing is getting better and better um so i wouldn't rule that out but let's you know hopefully that can can potentially happen then i look forward to uh february the 7th is it 17th did you say when they when the fury versus u6 is going to happen yeah no so let's hope for that 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 to be the best case scenario very very exciting times Moving on anyway, because obviously if you thought the card was that good, I mean, it just gets even bigger and better. Um, former world title challenger Daniel Dubois takes on the controversial Jarrell Big Baby Miller. Um, I've got to say, right, I think this is brilliant matchmaking from Frank Warren, uh, Turkey Al-Shalik and um, Dimitri Salita because... Before the press conference started, I knew what was going to happen. I knew what uh, Jarrell Miller is capable of. But I also knew what Daniel Dubois was capable of. Um, Jarrell Miller just fired shots at him. Or you quit through uh, a jab against Joe Joyce. You quit against Alexander Usyk. But I just think Jarrell Miller, right? This guy's got no remorse. I mean, he's been banned from substances that are potentially... That dangerous that 
you know, they could kill somebody in the ring and he's still going after Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. I mean, the, the guy just doesn't really give a fuck. And, you know, <laughs> Tony Bellew turned around and hit the nail on the head. He goes, this guy had more drugs inside of him than the Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm just astonished that you know, this doesn't look like a guy that is remorseful of what he's done, you know, who seems like he wants to be forgiven and wants to get his career back on the right path. He's a foul-mouth-minded piece of shit. But he's it, it's like Mama, you either love him or hate him. Um, firstly, Ron, your thoughts on the fight, and secondly, the, the Big Baby Miller being involved in this card, does it sit right with you, be honest? Look, it's boxing, you know, he... He's got the great sound bites, you know, what he, he was firing shots, not only at his opponent. Um, he said, if you know, if you had a shit, it'd be your twin. He said a few, uh, he had a few choice of words for both Deontay Wilder and uh, and AJ. AJ kind of bit back. Uh, you know, it was great. You know, he, he kind of did liven it up a little bit more. Uh, not that he needed it, you know, because obviously great undercard that boxers, uh, boxing fans would just love anyway. I don't know if you know, but you know who the original opponent was, who they really wanted to line up against ba Big Baby Miller, and well, just imagine well, what that press conference would have been like. I believe it was Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora, fuck it, yeah. Imagine them two, just don't don't give a fuck, you know, kind of characters, you know, one thrown uh, a table at very at his opponent, thrown you know spat in the face of opponents, and he got Jarrell Miller, you know who's, you know, who's not short of any kind of giving it back either. So, look, it is what it is. He's been banned twice. Uh, I don't know how he's not been kicked out of the sport. But, you know, he sells, you know. He, who was his last fight against? That was against uh, Lucas Brown. Yeah. That right? Yeah. And it just looked like a very laboured win against a very old Lucas Brown, who's in it, you know, who should have been, who should be really well retired by now. I think if Lucas Brown was a little bit more younger, it you know, it would have been a lot more interesting. I think Lucas Brown just kind of gassed out. Uh, you know, with this fight, I don't see it lasting long. What 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 do what do you make of it? Um, I mean, then we had Daniel Dubois. He's not, he, you know what? He bores me. You know, he's not interesting to listen to <laughs> in post conferences. I'm sorry, but you know, I mean, that's a miss. Jerome, you know, verbally, it's a massive mismatch, isn't it? Would you agree? Jerome Miller turned around and said, if, if you took a shit, it looked like your twin. And uh, Dev Sani goes, uh, Daniel, what's your response to that? And Daniel Dubois was like, yeah, man, let's go. I mean, like, had that been a Chisora, even a Joshua on the other end of that question, I'm pretty sure their uh, choice of words would have been a lot different to, yeah, man, let's go. But, you know, a lot of things are winding me up about this fight. Number one, the DAZN broadcast team were making out that Daniel Dubois is a complete novice. I honestly think Daniel Dubois is going to absolutely annihilate Jerome Miller. Let's look at Daniel Dubois' CV, all right? He's fought Nathan Gorman. He's fought Joe Joyce. He's fought Alexander Usyk. Who's Jerome yeah. Miller for? And how old is Jerome Miller? Jerome Miller's fought nobody ranked in what the top 10 the top 15 you know there's heavyweights on this card that have got a better resume than jerome miller so you know i think the design jerome Miller's talked his way into this listen, into these look, Ron, Ron, yeah. it doesn't matter what he's done over whether he's talked his way or whether he's brought his way <laughs> the bottom line is right the design broadcast team are an absolute disgrace i think tony ben you turn around and said if this fight goes past six rounds daniel de bars in a world of trump Give Daniel Dubois a bit of credit, man. I mean, you know, he's lost against uh, an Olympic, uh, what was it, silver medalist or gold in Joe Joyce. And had it had it been any other official, he'd be the unified world champion right now because I still believe that was not a low blow against Alexander Usyk. You know, I hope, right? And look, do I like Jarrell Miller's, Jarrell Miller's uh, character? Yeah, I agree. It does sell and it's entertaining to watch. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that he was banned twice for um, taking drugs. Whatever punishment he gave wasn't really was given. It wasn't really a punishment either. You know, he's not had a proper proper fight, and he's not got a huge win on his CV. Uh, Daniel Dubois is going to absolutely annihilate him, and I hope he does. I really, really hope he does because you know 
in life, right, when you do something wrong, you should be remorseful of it. You know, you should be wanting to make changes for the better. But I get it. The guy wants to make money. The guy wants to get his name back into, you know, the, with the top heavyweights. Um, you just kind of expected it to blow off between him and Anthony Joshua. I'm surprised Deontay Wilder never bit back, but that Joshua versus Jerome Miller fight, listen, that's a fight that has to happen because there's so much needle and bad, bad blood there. Um, it's, it's interesting you said there. I mean, you, you hear AJ's response to that when Deb Sarni mentioned it. Yeah, who are you to um, tell me how my... <laughs> you might promote her. <laughs> and then Tyson Fury said that Dev should have responded with, be like, okay, let's ask your promoter, let's bring Frank Warren in, who at the moment is probably considered as the second promoter, you know, in chain of command of, in terms of this event. But listen, back to this fight, um, in terms of uh, verbal-wise, it's a complete mismatch because you would rather have a Derek Chisora on the other end of the table yeah, I mean, they couldn't agree on a fee. They, they, yeah, so unfair play to Daniel Dubois. You know, he's fought quite recently yeah. uh, and he took it. But, you know, why not? I mean, you, you're right. That could that could have been headlining in the UK somewhere easily. You know, Jarrell yeah. Miller is someone that sells. You know, he's, his mouth, you know, we remember him from when uh, AJ was supposed to fight him uh, and Andrew Ruiz stepped in at the last minute because, well, you know, we know what happened there. Uh, I'm surprised that he's still on a big stage. You know, he's still able to get these fights. So he's doing something right. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he sells. But I haven't seen, you're right. with When you're mentioning about his CV, there's nothing on there that really jumps at me. Um, you know, this last fight, I thought he looked knackered. He looked tired. It was just, it wasn't pretty to watch. But I guess he got the job done. But it was, a, you know, against a 44-year-old Lucas Brown who's who should be kind of retiring, but he's still, you know, hoping for another payday. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it's a fight that I didn't expect to happen. I would have much rather have seen Chisora versus Miller. But... I would have preferred that, but you know what? This is redemption for Dubois. You know, he wants to, if he gets his win, looks great on his CV. You know, let's not take anything away well. from, you know, what's that, sorry? It puts him back into the mix as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, look, there's no, look, he's lost against some really good operators, you know, in, you know, Usyk, who's the, you know, he's got most of the belts now. He's lost against Joy Joyce. Um, you know, that's, that's something I, you know, you can't knock him for. So he's lost against good fighters. I hope Dubois can use his boxing skills, tire him out. And then you know, set, you know, land the big punches and finish him off and humble him <laughs> once for all. Well, that remains to be seen. But nonetheless, three great fights, and there's another five amazing fights. Look forward to Dimitri Bivol defending his world title against Linda Napa, Philippe Hergovic versus Mark Demori, Jay Opatai, the killer of the cruiserweight division, versus uh, Britain's very own Elis Zorro, uh, Elis Mahmoudov versus Ajit Kabayel, the two-time European champion, and Frank Sanchez versus Junior Far. Um, let's talk a bit about the two British fighters that have got a chance to become world champions, but have got a huge, huge hurdle in front of them. We'll start off with Lyndon Arthur challenging Dimitri Bivol. Fair play to Lyndon Arthur, just recently won the IBO world title, and an opportunity of a lifetime has been given to him. But it just boils back to my point, you know, Dimitri Bivol is the same guy that's beating Canelo, that's undefeated. Everybody wants to see him fight better, Biev, and he might have to settle for the fact that his fight could be the second or third one, or even the fourth or fifth on what promises to be an exciting card. This is how great the card is. Um, before we talk about the other fights, can Lyndon Arthur beat Dimitri Vivol? I mean, yeah, he can, but realistically, Ron, what chance do you give of him shocking the no. world and become the new world champion? No. Uh, I, I mean, I like I like Lyndon Arthur. I think he's an honest fighter. Um, you know, he shocked everyone when he beat uh, Anthony Yard uh, the first time round and then the rematch, you know. And that's his only defeat on his record. Am I right there in believing that? You know, so he hasn't lost. Uh, and you know, he's got the IBO title. So I, don't, I mean, I'm not too familiar with that organization. But you know, regardless, it's you know, it's a world title, so that shouldn't be dismissed. But it's a great opportunity for him. You know, he's fine on an amazing undercard, as we said many times over. Uh, great opportunity for him to kind of show showcase his skills against. 
uh, a potential pound for pound, you know, top 10 pound for pound um, Dimitri Bivol. He's not going to get that opportunity ever again. He gives a really good account of himself. That might be a platform for him for other big fights. So it's a win-win situation for him. But it's boxing. Anything can happen. But I would, you know, think that Bivol's got this. I see a stoppage. Um, six or seven rounds. Uh, yeah, that, that's my prediction. Jay Opatai versus Ellis Zorro. Um, I I love watching Jay Opatai. Um, yeah. I was very impressed with his performance against Jordan Thompson. Um, right now in the cruiserweight division, I've got Opatai as number one. And my second guy in that in that division, in my opinion, is Richard Reactor. Yeah, Even though agreed. he doesn't hold the world title, I'm a huge fan of the Midnight Train, but I think this Jay Opatai really is kind of like the... The, the hidden, uh, the secret weapon in boxing, and now we're starting to slowly unveil him. Um, he dumped, he, he put on a demolition job against Jordan Thompson. I know Ellis Zorro, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ellis Zorro, but I think Ellis Zorro has taken an opportunity that you know he might have had to wait for a long time if he didn't take it now. So, yeah, it's, it's a mountain to climb. Um, I agree with you what you said on uh, Linda Narva versus Dimitri Bivol, and I'm gonna go with what you said as well. I just think you know. Um, these world champions, especially with these British tests, I think they're going to be a level above, you know, with all due respect. I, I really would like to see Lyndon Arthur and Ellis Zorro become new world champions, but I think Bivol and Opatai right now are two of the best operators in boxing right now. Um, I mean, and after this fight, listen, if he doesn't get a chance to unify against Bill and Smith versus Masterneck or um, Mugabu or um, Abadu yeah, as well, yeah, I'd be very, very interested to see how he does up at heavyweight I think that's a big 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 name going up to the heavyweight division because this guy can seriously bang your thoughts on yeah. Opatai versus Elis Zorro uh, I just want to mention let's talk a little bit about Elis Zorro I think you know looking at the level of opposition he's not for anyone at that level uh, it's going to be an uphill task for him as well but again you know for you know it's a great opportunity for him to kind of showcase his skills and uh, Opatia, you know he. You, you, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's the best uh, cruiserweight out there. Um, so he wins this fight. It opens kind of the possibility of the other cruiserweight champions. Uh, I'd like to see him back here fighting Reactor. So Opatia has been uh, very unlucky with injuries in the past. You know he, you know he suffered. He broke his jaw, didn't he? Uh, um in two places so and he's had other injuries as well so he had a good win against Maris Bradis as well so you know this is a big event so and and I, I liked him I liked listening to him in, in the press conference and what he said about you know this is my time I've worked really hard for this uh so wish him all the best but I think Opatia uh to win that you have a free uh, fight, Felipe Ogovic, Mark Demori, mm. Es Mahmoudo versus Ajit Kabayel, Frank Sanchez versus Junior Far, December 23rd, a night not to be missed. Literally One from fire, you know, you mentioned Filip Hergovic. You know what? What would have made this undercard so much better? Go on. If they had the rematch with uh, Zile Zhang on this well, undercard. They, they were looking at Zile Zhang for wow. um, Deontay Wilder, but apparently... But that just, goes to, that just yeah. goes to show you how good this heavyweight division is right now. The guy that's Man. dethroned Joe Joyce twice hasn't fought since. And at some point, he's going to want a piece of this pie. But, you know, I believe Zhang he's beat Hergovic in the rematch. I, I believe, sorry, I believe Hergovic. Yeah, he beat him in the, uh, the first fight, yeah. So it's interesting to see. But listen, this December 23rd card, it's a, it's a great card to look forward to. It's a card I'm really excited for. Ron, I think it's a card mean you need to get together and watch. It's going to be that good. It's going to be that exciting. We'll get some food in. You know, listen, I'm really, really looking forward to it. If the fans are on it, we'll do a watch-along. Yeah, well, we can do something. I've always had an idea of doing a couple of watch-alongs. Um, we'll yeah. move on now to sort of the, the deep end of the podcast. Now, we'll talk about the action on the weekend. Um, start off with uh, the Sky Sports and Boxer show. Adam Azim winning the European title in his 10th fight. Uh, with a phenomenal performance against Petit Jean. Um, Ron, I've got to say, I'm a huge fan. I'm sold. Um, I'm sold by this kid. You know, I think he really is the future of the sport. Let me ask you a question in regards to that. 
Do you think, okay, fine, he's won the 10th fight, you know, great, you know, he's 21 years old. Do you think they're going the right way about with the level of fights they're giving him so early on in his career? Um, he's had two fights where they've gone the distance, but against really solid opposition in Fanyan and I can't remember the South American that he fought as well, which gave him a good test as well. Well, he's winning. You know, there's been some arguments that maybe they're pushing him too quickly. Ron, he's, he's a European champion in his 10th fight at the age of 21 years old. You know, a few of his fights have gone mm -hmm. the distance. The Fenian fight was a good good learning curve for him. Last night's fight was a good learning curve for him. HF, who obviously is part of Lights Out, also said, I want to see people put up more, put up more of a challenge when they fight him. Um, and uh, that, is a, that is a comment I agree with. And, you know, listen, there's fights against the likes of Dalton Smith that people are talking about. There's a, there's a great fighter in this division uh, from the Frank Warren stable and Pierce O'Leary, whom I'm a huge fan of. And I remember interviewing Pierce O'Leary for his last fight, which was on the Joyce Zhang 2 undercard. And I mentioned these fights to him. And, you know, he turned around and he said he's a huge fan of all these guys. And he said that eventually these, these fights will happen. You know, so, I mean, I can understand maybe why they've not gone down the British route yet. Maybe perhaps build up the Dalton Smith fight to a bigger, bigger fight. So maybe it sells out an arena. But there yep. are going to be bigger and better tests out there for him. I thought the guy he fought last night wasn't, never had much about him. Or maybe Adam Azim was just too good for him. But listen, 10 fights in, European champion, 21 years of age. You know, this kid's going to go far on. And I think we need to sort of look at this guy as the future of our sport. Yeah, I think we we know we got to remember he's still young. He's still early in his career. Uh, the next fight that they've got in, lined up for him is a guy that came in into the ring and they did a face off there. Enoch Paulson, uh, who's also undefeated as well. Uh, you know what? These fights are going to build character, build build skills. You know, it's what I don't like is just. You know where you've got your promotional team just picking these easy fights where you get these easy knockouts. They have fast forwarded it a lot quicker. You know they are progressing him a lot faster than they would normally do so. But he's passed the test. You know there's no, there's not been a fight where I've seen him in trouble. Or he's you know he's fighting good level opposition at such a you know young age. Well, look, Ron, the, the way I see it is right. If you put him in with uh, British opposition, English level. You know, British title level, and he rolls them over. Oh, put him in with European yeah. level. You put him in with European level. Oh, put him back in with British level. You, know, you just can't win with some fans. Um, yeah. Which, and then I'm going to make a point about that in a minute. In the next one, the next final parts of that podcast, uh, we'll talk about Tyler Denny um, again becoming a European champion. You know, um, called out Chris Eubank Jr. after the fight. Listen, great night for Sky Sports and Boxer. Ben Shalom's got two. Good young fighters who are now European champions, and I'm pretty sure 2024, these two guys may even be challenging for a world title. Um, really impressive performance last night by Tyler Denny. You know, to become a European champion mm -hmm. in your hometown, um, it's a massive achievement. Um, you know, Tyler Denny is a fighter that lost in the early stages of his career, but he's rebuilt. You know, he's pushed and pushed, he's climbed and climbed, and he's a European champion now. Um, you know, we, we, I want to touch on something, Ron. You know, we mentioned about the December 23rd card. Were you all surprised that none of the Sky Sports or Boxer Fighters are part of that card? Because I believe someone mentioned that in an interview. I can't remember who, and I'm not stirring the pot here as people are going to make out, but are you surprised that Ben Shalom and his Sky Sports and Boxer stable are not involved on December 23rd? Let me ask you, who, who would you have picked? Is there anyone that stands out to you? You're thinking, well, shit, mean, why is this person not on there. Martin Bacoli I mean, would have been a good shout for Philippe Ergovic. You know? Or, yeah, or I mean, that's not a bad shout, but I mean, Bacoli, we know he's a problem, but you know, he doesn't sell, you know, he doesn't sell at the moment until well, listen, he fights the big yeah, listen, name. Ron, until he gets Ron, a really good name in his resume, Ron, then, we, you know, we can get really sorted. But, Ron, you know, he's quite avoided, he's an avoided fighter. I agree. Yeah, you're react, right. React 4 fought two rounds last night. He's barely got scratch on him. I would much rather have seen Riappol versus Jeopetai on December 23rd. And Riappol's a Sky Sports and a Boxer fighter. But listen, yeah. let's not complain too much. We've got a great card to look forward to <laughs> yeah. on December 23rd. Um, we're touching the Frank Warren card last night. Uh, Nathan Heaney defeating Denzel Bentley to become the British champion. You know, Ron, one of the great things about this sport I love is how these boxers gather 
great fan bases. Now, Stoke City were an annoying football team for many, many years. We had to put up with a long ball and sort of Sunday league tactics. But this guy's fan base, right, from Stoke City, they turn up, they sing YY Delilah, they are allowed for 12 rounds. It just Nathan Heaney has been brilliant for boxing and he defeated Denzel Bentley last night to become the British champion in Manchester. Phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. And you can see what it meant to him because Nathan Heaney is the kind of guy that people would say, oh, you'll never get past British level, you'll never beat a decent fighter. And he beat a guy that's a two-time British champion pardon me and he's also uh, Denzel Bentley come up short last year when he fought for a world title what did you make of Heaney last night Ron? Yeah, good performance man you know what like you said he's got a good following uh, and it's a proud moment for him you know and uh, let, uh, you know, let, give him his flowers for that yeah, for that for the for a good give him a good account of himself so I wish him all the best you know future fights and I hope he you know that that fan following kind of increases you know we'd love Love that, you know. It's not sometimes just you know you got the boxer themselves, but you you love you enjoy the what comes with the boxer, you know the the you know them selling their tickets, and that's gonna increase um, with his next fight. Now it's gonna get gaining popularity. One thing I said about before, I wanted to touch on um, a lot of fans with this online hate. Now listen, um, Den, I'm not I'm not saying this because I'm a I know him well, but Denzel Bentley is a guy that I know very well. Um, yeah. and he's a guy that I've got a lot of time for and I've got a lot of respect for um, you look at what he's achieved in the sport he's a two-time British champion and you know he come up short when he fought for the world title against Janabek last year you know I was just I was looking at some of the comments on his post last night after the fight where he congratulated uh, Nathan Heaney just there's so many petty people out there in this world so so many people like oh you're shit, you know, you're overrated, you lost to a guy that you shouldn't have even been fighting. You know, when we talk about why fighters aren't willing to, you know, put the O on the line or willing to take these 50-50 fights, this has got to be one of the reasons why, you know, the the backlash that some of these guys receive is just, it's it's disgusting. Um, it's uncomfortable, man. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it because I know Denzel Bentley very well. I'm just saying, like, some people online, they need to grow up, man. It's, like it's, it's childish what some people do to these fighters online. Like These are guys, right? Yeah, they get paid good money, right? But don't ever take away the fact that they're getting in the ring and they're putting their life on the line and they're doing yeah. it as a living. Let, let's let's make one thing clear. You know, when they make a good... You say they make good money. That's You're thinking about the, the top-level fighters, you know, like the, the AJs. And, fighters, I'm yeah, sure. And levels, you know, but, I mean, I was listening to someone... You know, so this is where I give them more credit and more respect is that after all the expenses, they're not left with much. You know, I mean, it's after they pay their trainers and the coaches and the, you know, the sparring partners, all that stuff. They're not left with much. So, you know, I give them more credit. I'm like thinking, wow, you know, you're you're thinking about it the long game. You know, if they lose that fight, they, you know, they're one step back, you know, and how much they could have made that decreases. So, I mean, well, I've got a lot of respect for these guys, what they do, put their lives on the line. And, um, and you know, for a sport that we love, me, me and you love to talk about and enjoy. I mean, look, we, last week's a great week for, for, for boxing. You know, you get Fury Usyk announced, you get the December 23rd mm -hmm. card announced, you get two Br British fighters that become European champions, you know, you get two good shows, one on Sky Sports and one on Boxer. But then there's idiots out there that are just slating these fighters online, like, you know, give it a break, guys. Seriously, come on, let's grow up. Let's have a bit of class about us. Well, as a good man once said, let's have a bit of parliamentary procedure about us. Uh, and a little uh, stat for you, Ron. It was on this day in 1990 that Chris Eubank Sr. defeated Nigel Benn in their first fight when he stopped him in round nine. Wow. Great fight. I've watched that a few times now, you know. Uh, Seeing as you brought it up, Ron, you asked me what's going on with Conor Benn, Chris Eubank Jr. I said to you, I've read somewhere online that that fight's in jeopardy because Conor Ben is asking for a lot of money. It's something I've read. I'm not saying I know it 100% is confirmed. But after what I've told you, and I'm pretty sure you've read a few more things online, are you confident that we're going to see Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr.? Hey, listen, why not on February the 17th? On the undercard of Fury versus Usyk. I'm just saying, the Turks have got the money. Wow, that, that would be great. Uh, but I think those boys, with how their rivalry is going on, they, they want, the want they want the spotlight they don't want to be sharing it with 
uh, a big person like, like um, you know, Fury and Usyk, they want that. They want, you know, they want them to be the attention. And rightly so. You know, that that is a, you know, main event. Like, uh, and I don't know whether it'll happen, whether it, if it does happen, what weight will it happen at? You know, and it's going to be a lot of kind of back and forth. Um, I think I was listening to what Eddie Hearn was saying about, you know, kind of working with Eubank, you know, junior, you know, in that trying to make that first fight. And it was, you know, the what he wanted and he wanted the ring walks uh, and my name to be first and all sorts of things. And yeah. Well, um, I remember one thing he's dealing with a guy that was old man once upon a time turned around and said, If you want my son to fight Golovkin, there's a photograph of me in your dad's office. You give me that photograph and this fight will happen. You know, I have heard. Um, that the Eubanks are hard people to work with, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the fight will happen. I do believe um, that will probably be the first matchroom show of 2024. I'm, I'm not believing these rumors I've read online. Um, I think there's a deal done. I think they're just gonna maybe announce it on the night that Haney fights Progray. You know who knows, but I do believe that fight's gonna happen, and it's a fight we're all looking forward to. Um, Ron, where it's about that time where we slowly bring this podcast to an end. Is there anything else you want to add or touch upon before we end the podcast? Um, I mean, last weekend there was a show, um, Shabazz Masood. Did you yeah. did you did you catch that fight? Um, I did. Yeah. Was it last week? Um, I mean, a what did you make of the performance? Um, you know, this is someone who has been highly rated and been talked about a lot. Um, and yeah, you you've interviewed him, haven't you? You yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. What did you make of his performance? You know, we were talking about Stoke and you know boxers they could be proud of. But what, what did you think of Shabazz, Mas- the Maverick Masood? Well, you know, you only need to listen to Shabazz's interview after the fight. He turned around and said, "I'm my biggest critic," and he wasn't pleased with his performance. Mm. But I think you have got to take a few things into into consideration. Unfortunately, I believe it was his grandmother that passed away recently, and the original fight had to be rescheduled to the later date. You know, these things, you know, whether you agree or not, I mm. personally think all play a massive part. Um, but having said that, it, I don't think it was a good performance. I've seen Shabazz previously. Do you think he was lucky to get away with the win? No, I thought he'd done enough. I thought he'd done enough. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, British fighter and everything. I I, I believe he'd done enough. You know, one of, one of the mistakes that we make as fans, right, is, you know... we Write him off too early, yeah. No, we just, you know, we just, um, we kind of look at who's you know, looks the more busier fighter. But, you know, Johnny Nelson once said to me, if you want to judge a fight, right, the best way to do it is watch the fight without any sound. Sit in a room by yourself, have a pen and paper, and watch the fight by yourself. And don't focus on anything other than the fighters. Don't focus on the ref. Don't focus on the celebrities in outside the ring. Just focus on the fight and the punches that are getting thrown. And count actually how many land. And I've done it a few mm. times, and I've got to say, it works massively. I believe Shabazz Masood did enough. And I just think a lot of inactivity from his part. He's had a few things to deal with. Um, let's get off the guy's back. He's still a young fighter. He is Absolutely. the future yeah. of this sport. Rather than, again, same thing back to the Denzel Bentley. Rather than slating these guys, let's support these guys. Because they're going to be the future of our sport. Because when your your Furies yeah. and your Joshuas and you know your, your Canelos walk away, you know, these guys are going to be the ones that are carrying the torch. And you know, we slate them enough times, we'll run a mile from the sport, and that's the last thing we want. Absolutely. Right, well, anyway, Ron, is there anything else you would like to add? <laughs> no, no, that, that was just a fight that I saw, and I, I just wanted to get your, your feelings on that, and uh, yes, um, totally agree with, you know, about boxers. I mean, there was a great advert that was shown about online abuse. Do you, you must have seen that. I think I've seen uh, something. Yeah, about people, you know, these um, boxing kind of analysts, you know, armchair supporters mm-hmm. who are really, easy, you know, quick to kind of critique uh, boxers' performance. But look, man, it takes takes balls to get into that ring. Uh, not, sorry, my apologies, you know, women boxers as well, you know, to kind of do what they're doing. Uh, it, it, it takes a massive heart to get in the ring, Ron. Um, yeah, and I that's a better Char- word to use I think Charlie Zelenoff, I believe his name, find out the, the, the hard way <laughs> when he got absolutely smashed to pieces by Deontay Wilder. Um, and a 14-year-old we, as well. <laughs> yes. Before we uh, end the podcast, I would just like to congratulate the Australian cricket team on this uh, triumph today. Or should I say uh, yesterday? 
uh, winning their sixth World Cup. Unlucky to India. <laughs> Shit happens. 130,000 fans in your own backyard. And Man United are still shit. Anyway, so, Ron, a pleasure as always, mate. Thank you very much always. for joining us. We will be back next Sunday night with a podcast, Ron. We're going to continue this until we eventually do find a studio. I've found a good way to get a good um, a good camera up on my uh, my laptop. You're still handsome as, as ever. So hopefully, you know, next week, Podcast 67. But we just want to remind the viewers out there, I sound like Les Dennis right now. Um, if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, make sure you turn on the bell for future Lights Out notifications and for more Lights Out boxing content. Um, again, if you want to check out this platform in any of the audio platforms, links are below in the description. And for the best legal representation in and at the courts, make sure you check out Spartans Law, our proud sponsors. Ron, pleasure as always. Have a great week. Thank you for your time. And thank you guys for listening to Podcast 66 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast.